0: Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Privates Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Oren. So without further ado, here he is. If you're uh, newer to our church, my name is Jared, I'm one of the pastors. And, you know, I'm really honored today to be able to give the Father's Day uh, message. Um, my dad is here, uh, so this is a special day. I'm just very grateful for the man that God has given to me as a father, and just the way that He has shaped me over the years. For so for him to be here is a special treat and honor for me. And being a father of three children uh, to Joshua, Jenna, and Becca is one of the greatest joys, and privileges, and dreams come true uh, for me. So I was watching that video that you know Jeannie showed. Man, I am. I'm an emotional mess already, so we got a long way to go. But I realize that this day is filled with many different emotions, and people are coming from all different places uh, this morning. Some of you have a great father like I do, and this day is a day of celebration and just gratitude uh, for the man who is your father. For others of you, you've had a very difficult or strained relationship with your dad Uh, so this is a a day that's difficult to process and to understand Uh, some of you have uh, had to say goodbye to your dad and you've watched your dad pass away so this is a day that is filled with grief and just memory of your father and you're reminded today how much you miss him and others of you dream of being a dad, and that hasn't happened yet. And you're waiting, and there's pain and disappointment as you wait. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge up front, there's you know, so many different places that people are coming from. I'm very aware of that. But I feel very burdened this morning to aim this message to those of us who are fathers right now. Uh, But I want to encourage, you know, the younger men or the men who are not fathers yet and the women not to check out. I think there are things in the message that are relevant to you. Uh, Let me just pray for us and then we'll dive in. Father, we just acknowledge you. We acknowledge that you are a great and perfect Heavenly Father. We thank you that you are here right now and that you are at work. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would show your power uh, through this message. That you would bring the weight and authority of your word and would speak into us uh, wherever we're at. And I really believe you're going to do that. And so I just claim full dependence on you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. In the movie Big Daddy, uh, Sonny Koufax, played by Adam Sandler is a 32-year-old man who is trying to avoid responsibility and growing up. His girlfriend dumps him, and it's kind of a wake-up moment for him. She dumps him for an older man. He realizes it's time for him to finally grow up. In a desperate attempt to do this, he tries to adopt a 5-year-old boy and begin life as a father. And I want to show this clip, and it shows that, man, this, this guy, Sonny, is not ready yet to be a father. He brings the boy to McDonald's for breakfast. So check out the clip. <laughs> How you doing? Hi, welcome to McDonald's. What can
1: I get for you?
0: Okay, what do you want? Cheerios. Cheerios. They don't got Cheerios. What else?
1: Lasagna. Uh, hot cakes and sausage. Uh, sorry, sir. We stopped serving breakfast.
0: What are you talking about? We're four seconds late.
1: No, you're 30 minutes and four seconds late. We stopped serving breakfast at 10.30. Ah!
0: No, 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 don't cry. I'm sorry. I wasn't cursing at you. I was cursing at the lady. Nice parenting. Hey, thanks. Are you my therapist. Take a walk. You want a happy meal? We'll get you one of those happy meals. You got a happy meal? Can we get a happy meal? Well,
1: somebody get you a happy meal?
0: Hey i got to give props to the AV team for bleeping out some of those words. It's hard to find a clean Adam Sandler clip. (laughs) But some of us are obviously more ready for fatherhood than others. Sonny wasn't ready at first uh, to be a dad. He was still stuck in his ways of being a, a bachelor, and he wasn't ready to step it up. We have a cultural term for a man like Sonny Koufax. It's called man up. And I'm a little bit older, so I always have to check these terms to make sure I'm using them right. So I went to urbandictionary.com, which is a very reliable source. There are many definitions on there I could not share with us this morning. But here's one of them. To man up is to take control, to be strong. To rise to the moment. Sonny Koufax needs to grow up. He needs to step it up as a man. He's no longer a little boy with no responsibility or aim in life. He needs to man up. And I want to use a play on this phrase, man up, as the title for this message today, which is Father Up. And I Googled it, Googled it, and I didn't find Father Up anywhere, so if anybody wants to take that and trademark it, Ken. And I want to bring a word to fathers about what God wants to do in us as men so we can rise to the task of fatherhood. Here's the thing. The task of fatherhood is too great for you or I to do in our own strength, ability, or experience. It's a role that requires God's involvement and leadership in our lives. Fathering up is less about you and I pulling it together. It's more about God raising us up to become the kind of men who can father like he wants us to. We're going to look at the life of Jacob from the Old Testament. I want to share about what we can learn about fathering up through what God does in Jacob's life we're going to start at the beginning of Jacob's life at his birth, which is found in Genesis 25. In Genesis 25, it says, When the time came for her, who's Rebekah, to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Two boys are born to Rebekah and Isaac Esau and Jacob, and they couldn't be more different. Esau was the kind of boy you couldn't keep inside. He was always outdoors, a man of the field who grew up to be a great hunter. Jacob, on the other hand, wanted to stay at home. And if he lived in the 21st century, he would have loved A.C. And he would have been the kid staying up all night playing the Xbox. And I want to make a key observation from verse 28, which says, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac loved meat, probably the first food he recorded in human history right here, and he loved Esau. And Jacob, Jacob was a mama's boy. And don't get me wrong, the love of a mother is so important in a child's life. But here's the key thing I want to point out. The absence of a father's love and presence in a child's life is an unbelievable deficit. A wound that a child cannot easily recover from. Jacob's father, Isaac, loved Esau. When Jacob interacts with his dad, he knows that he's always second place in his dad's eyes. This had to be devastating for Jacob. We cannot underestimate how this wounded him. And some of you here this morning can relate all too well to Jacob. Your relationship with your dad has been filled with disappointment, hurt, shame, pain, or maybe just absence. And the sting of these wounds seems so fresh because they've stuck with you over all these years. This morning, I want to tell you there is encouragement and hope if you're struggling with the wounds from your father. We'll get there in a few moments. For Jacob, I believe this wound from his father plays a role leading to a pattern of destruction in his relationships. We don't have time to go into all the details, but I want to give some of the snapshots of what happens later in Jacob's life. As a brother, Jacob is deceptive and cruel to Esau. He tricks his brother out of his birthright and then later steals their father's blessings. These aren't small little pranks between two brothers. This was a big deal. This was like stealing your brother's large inheritance. As a son-in-law, Jacob has a strained relationship with his father-in-law, Laban. Eventually, Jacob picks up and leaves Laban's household, who he had been with for 25 years. He doesn't even say goodbye to him. And Laban tracks him down and says, "You, you you didn't even let me say goodbye to my daughters and my grandchildren. It was a relationship filled with brokenness, betrayal, and deception. As a husband, Jacob's wives, Rachel and Leah, They're bitter rivals. And Jacob shows preferential love towards Rachel. As a father, most of us know the story of Joseph. Jacob gave him a fancy coat. So all the other brothers were jealous. What was Jacob thinking when he did this? He wasn't thinking. He was living out the brokenness that he experienced from his dad of favoritism. And some of his other sons did pretty messed up things. His son Judah sleeps with a prostitute who ends up being his daughter-in-law. Another son, Reuben, sleeps with one of his concubines. Deception, rivalry, and brokenness are the deep struggles, and favoritism are the deep struggles of brokenness and sin that characterizes Jacob's relationships. I want to pause for a moment and remind us that this is not the Jerry Springer show. (laughs) This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. The Bible is real, authentic, and raw. It shows the reality of human struggle in this journey of faith. Jacob is a man with a, a very broken and messy life. I have to be honest there were moments as I was preparing this sermon and I'm like god you want me to preach a father's day message on this guy I believe Jacob's relationship with Isaac and the wounds he receives from his father plays a role in all of this but this is far from the end of the story for Jacob there is good news coming what we're going to learn from Jacob's life in all this is that no father wound or mess created by an earthly father is beyond the shepherding care and love of our Heavenly Father. This is really great news for all of us, especially those that, of us that have a difficult relationship with our Father. In the wounds left by our earthly fathers, In the mess of this world, God wants to step in, and he wants to father us. So the first point I want to make about what it means to father up is that God wants to raise up fathers who are fathered by the greatest father. God wants to raise up fathers who are fathered by the greatest father. There's no perfect earthly father every father on this planet will fall short of God's intent and plan. That is why every man and woman ultimately needs to be fathered by God. To the fathers here this morning, to father up is to let the the greatest father, God, raise you up as a man and a father. And I understand if your relationship with your father is, is strained, it might affect your view of who God is as Father. But this is where we need to step out of our personal experience and let the witness of Scripture and what it reveals about God as Father, for us to really believe Scripture on this matter. That God is a Father who is perfect in love, He is so gracious, He is so kind. He is so compassionate. He is holy. He's without flaw or blemish. And he is your creator. He knows you better than anyone else does. He sees you. He has a plan for your life, which is good. We have a great and perfect father in God who longs to father us. God steps in where Isaac fails, and he begins to father Jacob. And I want to show you two examples of what God does in Jacob's life to father him. The first thing is that God validates Jacob. One of the greatest needs that men have is to be validated. When a person validates a ticket or a passport, they're giving their stamp of approval. We men have this great need for approval. To know that we are legit as men. That we have what it takes. This is something that Jacob struggles to get from his father. But God steps in and he does this for him. In Genesis 32, Jacob has a face-to-face encounter with God. He thinks he's wrestling with a man, but he later realized it was God himself. And Jacob knows that he can't win this wrestling match. But he also won't give up. And he demands for the man he's wrestling with to give him a blessing. And in this encounter, Jacob's strength is revealed and validated. And God speaks into his identity as a man by giving him a new name. Genesis 32, 28 God says to Jacob, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. This encounter changes everything for Jacob. He has lived a life of deception and trickery, where later on his name, Jacob, will be used as an idiom for he deceives. That was his story up until this point. His identity was scarred, and it was filled with failure. And God steps in as a father to him and brings redemption and validation in this encounter. And God bestows Jacob with a new name, Israel, which means God strives or God persists. Men, God really wants to validate us. I think there's no better case in point in all Scripture than what God the Father does at Jesus' baptism. You would think if there was any man that walked this planet that wouldn't need validation, it would be Jesus himself, God in the flesh. But God the Father steps in in this moment, and he validates the Son with these words. This is my Son, whom I love, with him, I am well pleased. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Do you grasp the power of those words? The approval, the love, and the strength that they offer to Jesus from the Father? When I look back on my life, I realize how significant my college years were for me. It was a season when I really began to experience God as my Heavenly Father. And He began to speak into my identity as a man. Up until that point in my life, there were other names that I would call myself, within myself, that would inform my identity. Names of shame and condemnation, like loser or weak. And it was in that season that God began to speak into my life personally and through others in community and reveal to me how he sees me, who I am as his son, reveal my strength and new names that would forge my identity. Man, we have to pay attention to those names of shame that can haunt our lives. And let God begin to father us and to forge our identity. Men, we long for validation, and we can go searching for it from women, from work, from success, from wealth, from how much we bench press, but we ultimately won't find it in those places. True validation is something we need to receive from God, and he wants to give it to us. He wants to father us and bestow his love and strength and approval on us. Something also happened uh, later on in Jacob's life near the end when he realized how God was guiding and directing him throughout his whole life. It wasn't just in these mountaintop moments where he experienced God, but each and every date, the difficult days, days where God seemed absent or distant. The days where his deception and sin ruled his life. When Jacob is blessing his grandsons, he speaks about God as his shepherd, his leader, the one who had been there throughout it all. In Genesis 48, he says this, May the God be before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd All my life to this day. Jacob's saying, All of my days, every single one, God has been there. He's been watching over me, He's been guiding me, He's been my leader and my father throughout it all. I think that one of the challenges with letting God lead and guide us is that we as men can be way too independent. We are so self-capable. We don't like to ask for directions. We don't like instruction manuals. We don't like to ask for help if we can't figure something out. Too often, we are resolved to do things on our own. And I really believe this affects our relationship with God. We don't want to humbly look to him for guidance and direction and cry out to him, As Father. George MacDonald was a, a well known Scottish pastor in the 19th century, and he writes this, which speaks to our independence and our unwillingness to cry out to God as Father. He says, The hardest, gladdest thing in the world is to cry Father from a full heart. The refusal to look up to God as our Father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair, the inability, the one central misery. McDonald is saying it is a tremendous tragedy when we don't look up to God and let him father us. Our independent spirit can block us from experiencing the shepherding and guiding care of God in our life. You know, with my recent uh, hip surgery and recovery process, I feel like God has been teaching me a lot through this season. Uh, One of the the big lessons has been just how independent I really am and how hard it is for me to be dependent. A, A few days after the surgery, I was completely vulnerable and dependent for everything. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't put my shoes on by myself. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't shower myself. I know that's too much information. (laughs) But I was completely humbled and dependent and vulnerable for Yvonne to take care of me. And she stepped up and loved on me, you know, 24-7. But through that, I I just learning how much that carries over to my relationship with God. I don't think I always realize how needy and dependent I am for God to lead and guide me. Amen, Amen, Johnny. Even this week as I was preparing this sermon, there was a point that I just got stuck and I was discouraged and just completely down. And it was an opportunity and reminder for me to just cry out to God as my father and say, God, I really need you. I can't do this on my own. I need your guidance. I need your leadership. I need you to father me in this moment. Man, we have a heavenly father who is present and active in our lives. The greatest and most perfect father wants to father you. God wants to validate you. He wants to speak into your identity. God wants to guide you in your everyday life so you don't have to live life on your own. I think the question to us as men and to each of us, will you let go of your independence? Will you open up your heart and your life to let God step in and father you? I really believe that letting God father us is so central to how we will father our own children. So if we miss this first point, I think it's going to be really hard for us to live out the second point. But if we do open up our hearts and lives and let God father us, I think we're primed to live out the second point about fathering up. To father up, God wants to raise us up as fathers who speak and live blessing over our children. Again, God wants to raise us up as men who will speak and live blessing over our children. I'm really encouraged when I see fathers spending time with their kids. I'm encouraged when I see fathers showing up for significant moments in their kids' lives. Spending time and showing up for those moments is great, and our children need that from us. If you aren't doing that already, you need to start there. And not just physically being there, but being present and giving your full attention to your children when you're around. To put away your work and to put away your phone. So you can really be attentive to what God is doing in your kid's life. And the whole phone thing is something I really felt freshly convicted about this week. When I have my phone with me, it's too easy of a temptation and distraction. If I get bored for a moment, I'll pick it up. It keeps pulling me away from what's going on. So this week, I just made a new resolve kind of before God, is I want to put away my phone when I'm around my kids to father up God is asking us to be the the very intentional with how we live and speak before our children and back in the old times they got this in a patriarchal society like Israel the father's blessing was so important for a child And I want to define blessing as a word of truth and grace that's given by an authority figure. In Genesis 49, we have the account where Jacob blesses each of his 12 sons. We don't have time to go through all of it today. (laughs) But I want to look at two of Jacob's blessings. The first one to Reuben, and the second one's to Joseph. And I briefly mentioned Reuben earlier. He is the one who slept with his father's concubine. So this is going to be an interesting blessing we have from Jacob. This is what Jacob says to Reuben. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel, for you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, And defiled it. Jacob begins and he lovingly affirms the good in Reuben. He's a man of strength and power. And it could have been so tempting for Jacob to stop there. Remember, this is the final word that he's giving his son before he passes away. He could have easily told him, I don't want to make this awkward. I don't want the last thing to say to my son to be negative. He could have easily ignored the sin in Reuben's life, but he doesn't. I think this shows the strength of Jacob as a father. He tells Reuben, you will no longer excel because of what you have done. Men to father up, we can't ignore the sin and struggle in our children and just pretend it's not there. Our children will have shortcomings and deficits and rebellion where they need their fathers to step in and correct and redirect them to what is good and right and true. To really shape and influence our children, we will need to be able to navigate living and speaking both truth and grace. To bless our children calls us not only to affirm and validate them, but also to share the hard truth in love with them. This is not an easy thing to do as fathers. We need to depend on God for this. Then to Joseph, Jacob says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breast and the womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountain, mountains and the bounty of the age-old hills. But all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. This is a very rich and full blessing that Jacob gives Joseph. I just want to point out one thing from this. It's how Jacob keeps pointing Joseph back to who God is and how God has been his strength throughout everything. Jacob unashamedly keeps pointing Joseph back to God. He says that God is the mighty one, the shepherd, the rock, the almighty. Meant to father up, we need to keep pointing our kids back to who God is. I realize more and more in this culture we live in, it's becoming more and more godless by the day. And our culture will keep pointing our kids as far away from God as possible. Men, we can't sit on the bench here. We need to take action. We need to be relentless in calling attention to God in our children's lives. As our children grow up and enter different seasons of life that will have different challenges, we can't get gun-shy or timid. We need to keep directing our kids back to God and who He is. To be able to speak and live blessing, to live grace and truth over our children, to keep pointing our kids back to God, it's no small task. This is not a one time thing or something you just do on your deathbed. This is a lifelong journey of being a father. And to do this well, you need to be fathered by God. There's no way around it. You need to be led and directed by God each and every day. You can't do this on your own. Years ago, I read a small book by John Eldridge called You Have What It Takes about fatherhood. It's been a very helpful book for me as a father really think about how I can have aim and direction for living blessing over my kids. Eldridge says there's a core question that a father answers for his kids over the course of their lives. Again, this isn't a one-time question and answer session. This is a lifelong journey. And the question is very different for a boy and a girl. For a boy, Eldritch says that every boy wants to be a hero. Every boy wants to be powerful. He wants to be dangerous. He wants to know, do I have what it takes? A father needs to answer this question for his son. To speak and live in a way that his son is validated in his strength and competency. I think this is something my father did For me, over the years, and he still does for me. He answers that question, do I have what it takes? And when I look at Joshua and I interact with Joshua, this question is in the back of my mind. How do I help him answer the question, do I have what it takes? About a month ago, it was Joshua's birthday, and he got a new desk for his birthday, so I was excited to put it together for him. I was about to get started, and he walked into the room. He said, Dad, can I help? There's a moment for me. I'm a man of efficiency. I wanted to get this done. But I knew this was a significant moment, and so I was happy to let him help. And he started to, you know, put the screws in and hammer in the nails, and he was doing a great job. I was so proud of him. And at one point, he turns to me, And he says, Dad, am I doing a good job hammering? And it sounds like such a simple question. But I I knew the echo of that question in his heart. Dad, am I strong? Dad, do I have what it takes? And I was able to look at my son and just happily answer that question. Joshua, you are doing an awesome job. You're such a good hammer. It's such a simple encounter. But those are the type of moments that our sons are looking to their dads and looking for that validation. As a father, you will be answering that question for your son over and over again. Don't miss those opportunities to tell and show your son you have what it takes, boy. I believe in you. You are strong. The question, question that girls and women are asking their whole life is very different than a boy's question. Eldridge says every girl wants to believe that she is captivating. She's worth fighting for. She wants to know, am I lovely? Fathers, we will be the primary voice in our daughter's life, to answer these questions. Daddy, am I worthy to be pursued? Daddy, am I beautiful? We need to teach our daughters that they are cherished and treasured. Let's be honest. The world will teach our girls that their worth is found in outward looks. There is so much temptation for girls to believe their identity is wrapped up in how they look. We as fathers need to step in and affirm the inner beauty along with the outer beauty and show our daughters that they they are worth being pursued, that they are treasured. They deserve to be respected as women. There are times that my daughters, Jenna and Becca, will, usually on a Sunday morning after mommy gets them dressed in a pretty dress, they'll run up to me and say, Daddy, do you like my dress? Do I look beautiful? And I'm ready for those questions, those moments to answer, Yes, Jenna. Yes, Becca, you are so beautiful. Because I know it's core to their hearts. And one of the things I've been thinking about this week uh, as a father and just reflecting on this message is how our daughters need age-appropriate physical touch from their dads. I honestly don't know how this works if you have a teenage daughter. So, (laughs) But (laughs) my girls are still young enough where they let me give them hugs, where I'll sneak into their room when they're sleeping at night and give them a kiss on their cheek, where they want to still dance with their dad from time to time. Yes, I do dance in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> but these are moments for, le- for me to let them know they're ch- cherished, they're treasured. I really believe our daughters need affection and tenderness from their fathers. We need to look for ways to express this to our girls. Fathers, we will play a central role in answering these core questions in our sons' lives, in our daughters' lives. God will use us to shape and form who our children are and who they will become. And fathering up is about being attentive to what God is doing in our kids' lives and being intentional, taking action to answer these core things in their hearts. As I get ready to wrap up, I want to show a clip from the movie Courageous. And it's a a longer clip, but I think it really gets to the heart of fathering up. So I really think every second from this clip is, is worth it. So
1: God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of his children. But more than just being there, providing for them. He's to walk with them through their young lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their Father in heaven. The Father should love his children and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them, discipline them, and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect. He should call out his children to become responsible men and women, who live their lives for what matters in eternity. Some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who, regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, we will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. And we are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family. Because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ. Because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for? and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do. I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and His blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you and to say, I will. I will. I will. I
0: know. That's a, a powerful clip about just rising up into this task of fatherhood. father Fathers, there's too much at stake for us to not father up You can't get back the lost days. Now is the time to rise up as men. Will you be a father who is fathered by the most perfect Heavenly Father? Will you be a father who finds validation from God first and foremost? Will you be a father who is led by God every day of your life? Will you be a father who shapes your children with both grace and truth? Will you be a father who is relentless in pointing your kids back to God? Will you be a father who will answer the core questions in your kids' life? Dad, do I have what it takes? Daddy, am I beautiful? It will take honesty in humility and courage to father up and say, I will. But answering I will and living with resolve before God to let him father you, to begin to live blessing, speaking grace and truth over your kids, is something you will never regret. Fathers, now is the time to father up. We can't wait on this. We can't wait for our careers to get further advanced or our kids to get to a certain age. Now is the time. When we do father up, we will begin to leave a legacy that will matter for all of eternity and bring great glory to God. As I close in prayer, I want to invite the fathers in the room to stand up. I just want to pray a blessing over you men. God, some of us feel the weight of all this and the task of fathering is so great and huge. And we might feel burdened. We might question ourselves, do we really have what it takes? So God, I pray your validation over these men, your strength and approval that they would know with you on their side that they have what it takes. May we be men who are fathered by you, God. May we not be too independent to cry out to you as our Father. God, even this week, may you show us our neediness and our dependence on you that will lead us to crying out to you as the most perfect Father. God, I pray for us as men that we would live out blessing over our kids that you would help us to navigate living both grace and truth. God, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, may we be relentless in pointing our kids back to you. May we not back down or be ashamed or afraid to call attention to you in our kids' lives. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us love, God. So God, I just thank you for these men, God, that you've called them as fathers to be a steward of your fatherly care over their children. I pray every blessing and anointing over them. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church.